Welcome to Challenging Behaviours, the podcast that challenges behaviours towards disability in society. For you and for me. That might be a new catchphrase. I might just start doing that every time. Uh, I have a stinking cold, so apologies if there's any uh, disgusting sniffs that happen during this intro and potentially during the outro too. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of, you know, not editing uh, through both artistic uh, motives and laziness. Uh, so my guest today, and I can't quite believe it, is Tanny Gray Thompson, Baroness Tammy Gray Thompson, DBE, the Tanny Gray Thompson. Um, it was so lovely to meet her. It was a real honour, particularly as I'm from Wales. You'll hear us have a little bit of Wales chat before we really get down to business. Uh, I got to go to the House of Lords to record this with her. Her assistant guy was very lovely and uh, was very accommodating. So big thank you to him. And obviously a big thank you to Tanny herself for making the time to have this talk. Uh, we mainly wanted to talk about um, trains and public transport. And we ended up talking about a few other things as well in terms of accessibility, including changing places. And, oh, I can't even remember. It, yeah, so uh, enjoy or don't do what you want. <laughs> I have to say, I'm particularly excited. Um, I grew up in Wales, so this oh, is a, a very oh. much a, like even more of an honour to meet you. Thank um, you. Whereabouts in Wales? Uh, I'm a Barry boy. Ah. Oh. Um, so not far. I even wrote down in my notes because you went to the same school as my brother did. You went to Saint yes. Cyrus. Oh my God! How did yeah. you end up going there? Um, so in Barry, the kind of your options are Barry boys, Barry boys, or Bryn Hafrin, or the Welsh speaking school, and he didn't want to be. Um, in like the boys only school and Welsh not his language uh, so he ends up going to St Cyrus oh, okay did he have a good time yeah I think oh. so I, I think I ended up going to Barry Boys so okay I don't know but he had to get a train there every every morning That's a bit of a track yeah exactly yeah. Oh, okay. um, but yeah so hello hi hello thank you so much for uh, making some time Pleasure. Uh, so yeah we've got, uh, we've got what do, do I call you Baroness, <laughs> your Baronessness. <laughs> um, so my my official title would be Baroness Grey Thompson, but uh, that's a bit long. So Tanny's cool. Tanny's cool. Tanny's cool. Um, yeah. So I've, I've written down the only notes I have are just for this, and then the rest will just go. Uh, so you have. Sorry, I'm about to just tell you everything you know about yourself. Okay. Uh, so 16, this is according to Wikipedia as well, so okay. it might be wrong. It might be. <laughs> yeah, so 16 Paralympic medals, 13 World Championship medals, held over 30 world records. Yep. Won six London marathons, MBE, OBE, DBE, numerous honorary degrees. They didn't give me an actual number, I didn't want to count them. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Free time BBC Wales sports personality and peerage, as you just said. Uh, Baroness, St. Cyrus as well at the bottom there. Good score. Um, so obviously all these things, but we're here to talk about trains and buses. Yay! <laughs> My favourite uh, subject. Yeah, so I've, I've seen through your social media presence that this <laughs> is a, a recurring uh, issue. I'm just wondering if you'd like to kind of give us a, just a kind of a... I don't know if it, a brief overview is possible, brief. but um. okay. Um, so I live in the northeast of England now. Uh, I work in London, 
I catch about 160 trains a year. I used to drive everywhere, but I was I was driving 55,000 miles a year, and it was just completely exhausting and trying to work. So um, I've, I've tweeted on and off about trains over the last few years, but um, I think probably about 18 months ago, um, an awful lot more people started tweeting about trains. It wasn't just me. And so I started tweeting all my journeys and experiences and retweeting others. And so for me, I'm... I'm quite simple in terms of the train operating companies I've spoken to or Network Rail or people from the Department for Transport. I just want disabled people to have the same miserable experience of commuting as everybody else. So, you know, if if a train is cancelled because of leaves on the line or, you know, and there's lots of stuff that happens. Do you know what? That's okay. But I don't want disabled people's experience to be completely and utterly worse than anyone else's. And so, you know, I've been left on trains. I've been refused access to trains, you know, um, you know, I've been told, well, you know, do you want to travel today? Oh, no, I'll tell you what, I'll just go home and no. come back another time. Okay. Um, and things like that. So, um, like, it, it's born out of frustration. And actually, for me, social media is quite a useful way to um, to just kind of have a bit of a release, actually. And, and then I think some of it is about share, other people sharing their experience as well. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's just been quite useful that it's not just me having a rant about trains. It's actually seen, you know, what happens to other people and... So I had, I had somebody from a train company say to me, what will it take for you to go away? Oh, wow. I, I thought it was really cool. And it's yeah. like, well, fix your service. Yeah. <laughs> really simple. And it's not, not fix it for me. Cause I, if I have to, I can crawl on and off a train, you know. I'm, or, I'm, I'm still relatively fit and healthy. But there's loads of people who can't. And you yeah. shouldn't have to crawl on and off a train. Um, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm on a bit of a mission to, uh, to just make it as miserable as non-disabled yeah. people have it. Let everyone have the chance to enjoy that misery. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a harsh way of looking at it. but Accessible you know. misery. Yeah. And, you know, that's, it, it shouldn't be any more miserable. That's no. the one. Yeah. Um, so if you, what, 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 that, what would that look like? So in an ideal world, what, what would accessibility in, I guess, all public transport uh, look like for you? Well, you wouldn't have built a rail network the way our rail network is built. Um, you know, franchising is an interesting concept in terms mm. of actually connectivity and joining things up. Um, you know, it's we, we've got lots of inaccessible stations. Uh, you know, we've got um, lots of places where there are no lifts. Uh, and, and to fix all that costs a huge amount of money. So, you know, I, I need to be pragmatic and realistic about it. I do think there's lots that we can do in terms of thinking about what trains are ordered, about staff on trains, about... Um, training for staff um and 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 just treating people uh as if they're customers that they're not a commodity yeah and and it's difficult because it's not always glamorous moving people from a to b especially in sort of commuter services you know um but i think for me it's about treating people as as human beings um and you know thinking about turn up and go uh, a bit more than they do some some companies are great but you know some on and you know disabled people have jobs and lives and you know I don't always know what time I'm going to travel and I do try and book but um do you know what I sometimes I haven't got 20 minutes of my life to to spend on the phone trying to book assistance so actually yeah. you know even joining up the the booking system so that all the different companies you ring to book assistance they ask you the same questions in the same order that would be a step forward so you know, I'm, to be honest, I've had a lot of really positive responses when I speak to the train companies or the, the different organisations. 
there's a lot of recognition that it's not right, yeah. which is that's that's a good step forward. A couple of years ago, they wouldn't have said that. So um, I'm kind of feeling quite hopeful that uh, there'll, there'll be a big improvement in the next couple of years. Or I'll, I'll just keep tweeting. I'm always very surprised. Um, so I'm not actually London-based. So when I come here, and when I'm looking at the tube map, that there's only certain... And it just kind of blows my mind in a way that London, like diverse London, there's only particular like tube stops you can take. So if you worked not in that area you have to get somewhere else and then where do you go from there it's always it's you know as much as it is a difficult thing to tackle kind of nationwide somewhere like london you would think would be far more well you'd hope uh would be far more like accessible for everyone yeah i mean the 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 new parts of the tube are much easier to dictate but the oldest parts are 150 years old and they weren't designed for women, women travelling on their own, let alone disabled people or prams or anything like that. So, um, you know, there are some tube stations which it would just be almost impossible to make step-free. Yeah. You know, the cost would be ridiculous um, because of, of where the tube network is under the roads and shops and buildings and other stuff. Um, so I think there's there's been some really positive changes. I sat on Transport for London for a few years, and instead of having a separate pot of money... Um, they then, in terms of doing station redevelopment, integrated the money for redevelopment and, and, and integrated the money in for accessibility. And that just made some of the changes easier. But also, it's, you've got to be sensible about it. I try to be sensible. You know, there's no point making a tube station step-free if you can't go anywhere at the other end. Yeah. You know, And there's, there's a few lines where you can get on at the bottom, the middle and the top, and it's not perfect. You've got the Jubilee line, which is, you know, better. DLR's great. Um you know, disabled people just have to be quite smart about how they use the tubes and buses and, and, and parking and driving around London taxis. Um, and so, you know, I, I have um, a battered old paper tube map, which I've just got a felt pen and crossed out, yeah, you yeah. know, the ones... That I, and it all looks quite clear. It's just much easier when you just can't see any of the stations that you can't use. So, But, you know, there's Bond Street's now been made step-free, which is cool if you want to go anywhere around there. So, so it is happening. It's... It's just slow. Yeah. So st- I was about to say steps are being made, but that's the opposite of what's <laughs> happening. Hopefully steps are being unmade, but being unmade. No, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, so where it comes to, do you think there's a way of making it kind of, well, I suppose it already is um, kind of like, uh, uh, regular listeners know I really struggle with this word. I can mm. never say it. Legislative. Legislative. Yeah, I can't say. I, yeah. Legislation. No to, yeah, we need legislation. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, we, uh, legislation's one part of it because with that comes money. Yeah. And um, there's not a bottomless piss of money. So um, for me, uh, uh, there can be a huge amount done in terms of um, the people that work on the various networks. Um, actually, TFL with the tube network, you know, there are some stations where you can get to the the platform, but you need a ramp to get on. You know, they do have turn up and go, and you know that happened a few years ago, and that's been embraced. I've actually never had a complaint from anybody using turn up and go on oh, a really? tube. So I kind of fingers crossed that's relatively okay. Um, but um, you know, for me, it's things like you know, there's some train companies where the train manager is trained and allowed to use the ramp to get you on and off there's other companies that don't allow that you know some of the 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 southern based companies um you know uh, are trying not to have a guard on board at all yeah so you know 
I think I, I think for lots of reasons that's not a great idea from just general safety that's mm-hmm. not a brilliant idea um, but we we just have to um, on a step back see what would make a difference and and actually if um, if train staff are allowed to get people on and off I mean you have to go through this big training process to use a ramp um, you know it, it's it, it's just been smarter in terms of using the resources that that we have my my station near my home in the northeast is unmanned um, and every time I try to book assistance, they say, oh, you know, it's a, yeah, I live there. That's, and, you know, I've said, put put something on my profile that says, I know that station's unmanned. You know, yeah. just 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 don't make things harder than they, they need to be. Yeah. Um, it's It's been a recurring uh, theme uh, for pretty much every kind of issue we tackle is uh, staff being trained and there doesn't, and uh, yeah, as as it's becoming a bit of a catchphrase, it all boils down to money and not wanting to spend money on that kind of training. And I'm just, I know, surely it makes sense to have, obviously not so much with trains, but if say you're running a business, something like that, it's going to increase the amount of people who are using. Um... Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the stuff, you know, I, I absolutely get that, you know, putting a ramp down, there's a health and safety implication of that. But I'm, I'm not sure the training course has to be as complicated as it, it sometimes seems to be. Um, and, it, you know, so I've, I've worked in jobs which are frontline and customer face, and they're, they're really hard because customers are a pain in the neck, you know, and they're rude and they're grumpy and they're just, you know. But um, it's, it's, it's about, you know, just getting people on off. I read an article last week where it's saying, you know, it was almost saying, well, it was written by a disabled person, you know, disabled people, you know, shouldn't be so demanding. It was that kind of tone. Mm. And it was like, well, and we shouldn't be rude. And it's like, well, actually, I'm not, I try very, very hard not to be rude. I'm sure sometimes I am. But but actually, um, you know, one of the most recent cases, I actually turned up early for a train I'd booked. They put me on the train, then realised it wasn't going to where I wanted to go, got me off. I still had well over 35 minutes to get to the train I was actually booked on. And the member of staff said, oh, you'll never get to the, um, the train in time. I'll put you on one that was going to be an hour and a half later. Oh, wow. I was like, uh, no, I actually want to go on the one that I'm booked on. No, I'll put you on the one that's an hour and a half later. I don't want to go on that one. And then we have a discussion. And then I, I think he checked my profile and I'm, I'm sure that there's something written on it, which was, you know, she's grumpy. Um, <laughs> she's fine. It'd be funny if it was. Um, and, um, you know, I got put But it was like, it shouldn't always have to be a fight. Yeah. You know, you, sh- you shouldn't be going to a train station thinking... Am I going to get on? Am I going to get off? Can I go to the toilet? Um, yeah, toilets break some, you know, but it's it, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be that difficult. No, you're absolutely right. And you know, if there was any other sort of you know minority, doing my finger quotes there, that that was happening to, you know, there would be there'd be outrage, like it'd be like a national scandal, which again is another recurring theme of our podcast recently. Um, as we recently did, uh, we spoke to a guy um, Ian Birrell um, about kind of uh the treatment of uh young uh, well not just young people young people and adults in atus and mm. if it was happening to you know other minority groups that it would be everywhere i feel at least and well, can, can you imagine if they said um right welsh people you have to book 24 hours in advance and we're only going to let two of you travel on a train uh you know when in first when in standard but you can't use the toilet so it's all right we'll put you off at a station and you get the next train that's coming through off you go i mean again that that would just be and and there's a practicality you know stuff breaks yeah but 
um, let, let disabled people make decisions. I've made decisions to get on a train when I know the toilet's not working because I've made the call that I'll be all right for that length of time. Yeah. And, you know, it's um, treat people like adults, really. I think that's, that's, that's a part of it. Um, and, uh, you know, the idea is that we, we get more disabled people travelling by train. Yeah, you know, because it, it is it's a it's a good way when it works, it's and you get on and off. It's a good way to travel. Yeah, um, we're we're just not we're not quite there yet. Yeah, I was actually reading a story about um, oh no, blanking on the name, but they they went on to a a train and the the toilet was out of order, and then they they basically had no choice. They just had to basically soil themselves on the train um, because the there was just an out of order sign on the disabled toilet, and that was that. Nothing that could be done about it. No, no effort seemed to be made to actually make sure that people with disabilities could be comfortable on a journey. And, and it's stuff like that that is is just really difficult because um, you know it's 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 kind of inconvenient for everybody. But um, you know, and I have it where before I get on a train, they'll they'll now tell me if the toilet's working or not, and yeah. um, you you make a call on it, and it's. Or you know, I mean, the, the the bit that's just difficult is there's no consistency of service. No. So you you just don't know what you're going to get, and you know, if I know when I'm booking a train for Monday morning, there's no accessible toilet. I just don't have two cups of tea in the morning, you know. And two and a half later, when I'm off in London, I'll have a cup. Of tea. You know, it's things like that. It's um, it's just knowing where you are. But sometimes it, I think it feels that we're a bit of an inconvenience. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure we are, but hey, that's um. Society, and you know, there's also a kind of implication of like, um, you know, for some people, train is the only option of travel. If you want to go to a longer distance and say there's families that want to go on holidays, they may not feel like they can take their children away. Um, this is something we've talked about when it comes to changing spaces and things like mm. places like a cinema. Um, obviously, when you've got the world's biggest drink in the world, <laughs> uh, and you're going to need to eventually go to the toilet, but there's just nowhere to do it, and so a lot of um. Uh, children who are in need of a changing space toilet just don't just don't go to the cinema because it doesn't seem like a viable option. And, and this is just to me, you know, good good business planning, you know, from some of the like. And this comes to, I guess, what's reasonable adjustment. You know, some of these big companies can absolutely afford to put in changing places. Um, and um, you know, I was reading over the weekend uh, about a theme park in Devon who are just making it really difficult oh, yes, about yeah. putting a, a changing places toilet in. It's like, do you know what? I'm not going to go there now. And, you know, I've got one daughter, but I've got stacks of nieces and nephews yeah. who love going to places like that. Do you know what? I'm not going to go there and I'm not going to spend my money. And um, I, I don't think, even though there's a lot of discussion about the value of the purple pound and how much disabled people, you know, have have to spend, I don't think that always connects up. Um, and, you know, if it's a tiny little shop that, you know, it's not... You, you wouldn't expect them to spend tens of thousands on accessibility. But actually, do you know what? Have a bell at the door. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been to lots of shops where you press the bell and you go, oh, um, there's a dress shop I go to. And they're great. They um, they they bring stuff to the door. Oh, I go, yep, yeah, no. Oh. And and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm spending my money there because they're really helpful and they want to make my life easy. They're not being really difficult and, um, you know, really... Um, challenging yeah and that's it. a cost-free way of yeah. doing it as well and um, i picked to go there over other places so yeah. you know it's just it's 
I think it's it's just about treating people how you'd like to be treated yourselves. And you know, there's lots of families that want to go out and do things. Um, and it should, you know, I mean, back to trains. There's one train company where they now don't have a space um, in standard, so you can sit in first, and that's lovely with a companion. Lovely. What if there's four of you travelling? Yeah. It's then down to the guard on the train to make a decision where whether four of you can sit together. Mm. And it's stuff like that that it's just 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 not thinking that that's how it feels to me yeah and i i think there is also you know a lot of times when well literally what you're just saying so when trying to create accessibility they're thinking of the individual rather than the family as well around that individual so you know like i guess trains planes automobiles um you know i get quite a lot so i've got husband and daughter and i'll get quite a lot of is he a carer Mm. And he he usually ends normally like no I'm not I'm a husband. And 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 that's the thing which is just you know it's a it's a bigger issue and one I'm not going to fight yet. But the assumption that every disabled person has a carer. Yeah. So you go to a concert and you get a wheelchair space and a carer space. Well, you might get the carer space half price or free or whatever. But uh, you know um, there's a whole debate around whether that's right or not. But what if you want to go with ten friends? What if yeah. I want to go on a hen party? to see a concert and you know um i've i've been to stuff where i've i've just had to sit on my own at concerts yeah. or at plays or music and and it's like oh you can't sit there because you're a fire risk right um haven't spontaneously combusted so you know not planning on doing it today so um which you wouldn't do if you're going to spontaneously combust but anyway well, but it's, it's that sort it, of stuff. Doing a fire exit yeah and it's like you know stuff like that is just it, it they just want it easy and I we got um really cheap tickets to London Theatre a couple of weeks ago really cheap. and they were absolutely amazing the theatre we went to in terms of of helping them making sure the seats saying what do you want to do at the interval do you want to go to the bar do you want to get an ice cream you know um right you know there's the accessible toilet I've got the key um just really really helpful and then at the end you know do you want to leave um as they're singing the last encore, or do you want to wait right till the end? And it's going to be a bit busy, but, you know... And and, and that was amazing, because it, it treated me as if I was an adult yeah. um, who was making decisions, and that, that was just fab. Yeah. Yeah. And they're willing to ask as well. I think, you know, there can be a lot of uh, these kinds of issues because people are just too embarrassed to ask those kinds of questions. The difference with that, the member of staff's mother was a wheelchair user. Yeah, so that's something they're... they're so he, he kind of got to. it. Yeah. yeah. That was nice. You know, and yeah, it's a. I guess it would be nice if people. So I guess it all boils down to kind of education in a way and knowing what can. Not feeling comfortable asking things. If you don't know, I don't know if people are always going to be offended. <laughs> Obviously, there's some things like, is that your care? Well, you're just making an assumption then rather than asking. But just asking about what would be best for you in your you know, wherever it may be, theatre, train. I think, it, I think it's the way you frame the questions, isn't it? Uh, for me, it's like, you know, if you need to use the bathroom, toilet, then this is what, you know, um, I've, I've been to things where they say, do you need to go to the toilet? Like, uh, no, not really. And it, it's things like that. It, and, and, you know, there is data out there that shows that the number of non-disabled people feel uncomfortable talking to disabled people. But that's because they never met one or don't know. Or uh, I think sometimes they're unsure whether... They're going to offend, and they yeah, don't want to offend. That's exactly, yeah. You know, and um, you know, so I would say if someone who's ninety-five says to me, "So what's wrong with you then?" 
you know, they'd get a very different answer from someone who's 25 asks me, so what's wrong with you? So, you know, there, there are kind of nuances of, of behaviour, but... Um, I think, you know, it, it, it still sometimes feels that we should all be a bit grateful for being allowed out mm. and being allowed to do stuff. And, yeah, I remember when I was pregnant. I mean, the number of times when I was pregnant that people said to me, are you pregnant? Yeah. Kind of, God, I look pregnant. Um, and it's like, well, how did you get pregnant? Like, well, well just, look, excuse me. And, you know, people would ask incredibly personal questions. And I tried to answer most of them politely. There was one when I was eight and a half months pregnant and I screamed at all when I had sex with my husband. How do you think I got pregnant? Which wasn't my finest hour. But um, th- I think sometimes people think they can ask incredibly personal questions, yeah. which you wouldn't go and ask anyone else. Yeah, no. exactly. So how do you go to the toilet then? Uh, well, and actually, I mean, as I get older, I'm just really direct. Yeah. So I go, actually, I can't try How do you go? Yeah. And Which I might not have said when I was 20, but, you know, I'm at the point now, I was like, I'll just say what I think. Yeah, you know, and and try and try not to offend. I mean, that's really important because I think sometimes you have to try and take the tone with which they're asking, because sometimes it's because they don't know the right words and they haven't asked in the right way and they're not meaning to be rude, and then sometimes they are just meaning to be rude. Yeah, and you know, I think you know, even those. So it's like I can say, for example, so I worked with uh, young people and children and adults uh, with disabilities for a long time, um, and I remember one of the first times and I felt so silly for like thinking something so obvious like when um uh working with someone over 18 and they were <laughs> drinking a beer and this was someone with uh, a learning disability and I was like what they're doing and I was just like so like of course they do why would I why would I ever even have that idea mm. in the first place and you can you can have moments where you look at yourself like I was such as why have I ever even not thought that um and you know it all boils down to integration and um where that should happen and we 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 always talk about like school is where it where it should be happening there's no need for you know the level of i don't want to use the word segregation but that there is and um well if you don't meet different people that's where you can kind of listen or you you start to think that people who look different to you are not good people mm. um and you know, I've got friends with impairments that, you know, they get stared at and spoken to in a different way. And I get treated three ways. I get treated one way as an ex-athlete, one way as a parliamentarian, and another way just as a disabled woman. Mm-hmm. And they're quite different levels of treatment. Um, and so um, I think I'm lucky because I have a lot of resilience from being in sport to deal with that. Um, but, you know, it can be hard if um, you're constantly being treated differently or looked at differently as a chap on Twitter, Eugene uh, Dwarf, and I, I've just lost count of the number of times... Yeah. Eugene Grant. Yeah, yeah, that he he tweets, you know, I've had someone taking my picture again today saying you're in the Game of Thrones, and it's like... And, and for that individual, they probably think they're being quite funny. Yeah. And because it's the first time they might have seen um, someone with dwarfism in real life, they think that's OK. For Eugene, who just happens all the time, yeah. he, he deals with it incredibly well. Yeah, you know, I, I just don't think I'd have the patience. And the kind of betrayal that there has been of people with dwarfism for, oh. you know, not even until recently, you could say, like often being the butt of jokes, etc., <laughs> on TV, etc. And, and again, you know, disabled people are often portrayed as um, being evil. Yeah. You know, Bond villains. You, you name it. It's just it, it's it's there that you an evil person has to have some form of impairment. So. Yeah. You know, it's all and I think there's also 
a common kind of thread of people like it being funny for people being feeling awkward around them so that's you know things like uh, there was a scene in the office when there's the fire drill and he has to take the lady down and it's just kind of oh, uh, it's you, awkward and that's then, happened to me yeah so it's, it's steeped in truth as well and things like oh what was it um, the in-betweeners where he throws a frisbee and hits a girl in a wheelchair in the face and mm. the comedy is like oh look how awkward he feels about it rather than promoting kind of yeah I mean, it's interesting with like The Office because um, you know uh, the producer I think was of the show was uh, disabled yes um, you know actually using a disabled person so Julie Fernandez as the actress I think that was really good because she was able to bring her personal experience to it uh, I really struggle when we have a lot of non-disabled people playing disabled characters. Really yeah. struggle. Because they bring a version of that. And, you know, yes, they're an actor and they're a trained actor. And But there's there's lots of nuances of that. that and, and somebody said to me, well, oh, the people who play superheroes, you know, they're, you know, they're not super... And they do do it okay. And, well, yeah, but I, I just think it's, it's, it's washing people out of, of yeah. film and, and TV and... Um, it's it's not okay anymore uh, for me to you know to see lots of non-disabled people yeah. playing disabled characters. I really really struggle with it, um, you know. And within sort of the community, we kind of joke, you know, it's a surefire Oscar or a nomination or yeah. gets loads of public. And then you know, if we all tweet and post about it, it's it's bringing more coverage to it. But but it's usually that portrayal is about a sad, tragic life, um, and I, I I don't think that's a Actually, sometimes a, a, a realistic portrayal of disability is incredibly boring. Yeah. But what I'd like to see is just more characters in, in stuff on TV where uh, being a disabled person is just part of the story. It's not yeah. the story. It's just part of the it's story. It's just part of the story. Yeah, we were lucky. I was lucky to talk to uh, RJ Mitty, who's in Breaking Bad. Mm. He plays Walt Jr. And I, I, at least in I scene, I think that's probably one of the best depictions of someone living with a disability there is. It's just there's this character who has cerebral palsy it doesn't factor in to just I think there's only like one scene I can think of where mm. it actually factors into anything um, and that's just showing him having some difficulty like doing up his trousers and that's that's about it and it's yeah and if you look at sort of Liz Carr in Silent Witness then you know there's only been one storyline where her impairment has had anything to do with it she's really good at a job um, and, and that's cool I'd, I'd like to see a bit more of that I think generally in the US they're better at doing it than we are. You just generally see a few more disabled people lurking in the background, yeah. um, which which I think is 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 good. Yeah, and it's I think it is, albeit very slowly, it is on the rise. I'm constantly seeing casting calls now. Um, I think one of the problems with Twitter is, and when you're mainly following people who are part of kind of the disability community, mm. you see that kind of thing a lot, but it may not actually be reflective of the wider picture bit that you know referred to as the bubble so mm. we're seeing like oh look these these all these casting calls but doesn't there's still like it's probably like one a one hundredth of all the different things that are going on yeah i just feel, i think it's is it us i can't quite remember i might be doing a terrible disservice to the film where um one of the characters is deaf and they've um, employed someone who's not deaf and they said oh but we had someone deaf working on it and it's like oh you know that i i that feels a bit textbook compliant sometimes. Yeah. Oh, I know a disabled person. Oh, well done. Um, yeah. You know, so, um, you know, but but it's the fact that we're still called the disabled. Yeah. You know, as if we're one homogenous group. We're not. Um, you wouldn't say, like, the Chinese, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, 
But um, yeah, I, I just think uh, I, I I really hate the disabled. I I um. I, I kind of feel a need sometimes to correct people on Twitter and say, can you just please call us disabled people? Yeah. Because actually there's there's a campaign that I'm sort of looking at at the moment where a group of people keep talking about the disabled. And I said, you know, well, one of the reasons that disabled people will interact more with you is if you just call us disabled people. Yeah. You know, not the disabled. We're, we are people. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's exa- I think that's exactly why the disabled has a kind of just the context of othering. Oh, so, yeah. It's um, awful. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I did have um, somebody in sport years and years ago who used to like calling wheelchair users wheelies. Um, and um, that was always quite funny. And I hate wheelies as well. Because it just, it's like Chalton and the wheelies. It's like, you know, kids' programme. It's like, it just don't define me by one particular part of me. And so we had a conversation where I said, um, so does that mean I can call you by the thing that I see? You know, I, I get you that you see the chair first. Totally get that. That's fine. You know, and I've been called the wheelchair, stuff like that. I said, but can I refer to you as, as the thing that I see most, that stands yeah. out most about you? And he went, of course. I went, okay, fatty. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I wouldn't, I would never, ever, never do ever have done yeah. it. And this was a very long time ago. And, you know, it's not, it's 30 years ago. And it's not great language. But he, until, and I did it when it was just the two, two just around, because he, he didn't understand. He really, he's, he's like, oh, it's a term of infection. No, no, that's what we get to call ourselves, you know, ownership yeah. of language. He didn't get that, and, and then he, he kind of did, yeah. eventually. I've had that kind of experience when I always find it, you know, so a lot of people with Asperger's will describe themselves as Aspies, mm. and then when I've heard, like, other people use that, I'm like, you can't, you can't, that's not for you to use. Even though it was, you know, he was a person who'd been working with Asperger's for 30-odd years, and... Mm has been doing, you know, lots of great work with people with Asperger's, but even him describing them as Aspies just still felt a bit off to me. Like, that's, yeah. that's, if, yeah, that's not you, that's not part of... It's not, you can't really take ownership of that word. No, and, and I think that's... Um, I know, I mean, that gets very kind of political and very deep, doesn't it? And, you know, there's lots more fit things to fix than that. But actually, language is the dress of thought. And, um, you know, how, how language is used actually does to, uh, denote... Um, sort of feelings and behaviours and, and so you know there's some of those stuff we, we have to try and change um, but it's quite funny my daughter's just turned 17 and people now talk to her not me it's yeah. so and um, you know they'll say uh, is she alright and Karen she's like funny she'll go I've no idea who she is just because she keeps following me <laughs> I'm your mother no you're not and it's like oh stop and uh, you know it, it's things like that and, and it's just interesting that she's noticed it as well it's yeah. been in the last two or three months that I'm, I'm just invisible now. Yeah. That people talk to her, and she, she's great how she deals with it. She's so funny. Yeah. So she, she just kind of she'll say, um, you got your invisibility cloak on again, mum. <laughs> or they're talking yeah. to you, mum. So um, you know, but that's not really what a seventeen-year-old should have to deal with. Yeah, but it's great that she does. <laughs> she's fab. Love yeah. it a bit. She's uh, she, she's pretty cool about it all. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for making time in your busy day to thank you to talk to me it's um, nice to talk about happier things than brexit it is so thank um, you yeah I, I made a I made a point in my head to like not gonna not gonna mention it sorry um, i'm so sorry and that's, but... <laughs> but, and like, that's been i feel like part of the problem as well like with all these kind of stories about atus and things more and more coming out it's just completely overshadowed everything is just overshadowed at the moment yeah. so anything we can do to get these stories out like that's really important and um, no it's, it's called cool so thank you very much yeah brilliant thank you Ooh.
excuse my Welsh, that was Bendy Geddig. Uh, yeah, once again, huge thanks to Tani for having th- that time with me. Uh, like I've said, um, it was a massive honor. I can't, I'm still kind of dumbfounded that it happened. Um, uh, a highlight of going to the House of Lords to record this was outside. There were some Brexit protesters, some were for leave, and a very small group were for, yeah, a very small group were for leave, um, and it was just a group of kind of middle-aged white men, all looking a bit sad, and it was quite, uh, quite a satisfying image. One of them wear, was wearing this elaborate hat with lots of Union Jacks, but was still stood with this kind of face of despair, and it was enjoyable took a nice little little moment to soak that in um yeah once again yeah thank you to tanny you can follow her on twitter at tanny underscore gt you can go to her website www.tanny.co.uk and you'll see all the kinds of things she's been doing um you can uh well actually i i have no idea who our next guest is going to be so if anyone wants to talk to us uh give us an email at uh, challenging behaviors podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet us at challenging pod uh, we're on facebook as well i think you just type in challenging behaviors podcast something like that will come up i think we're also challenging pod on that as well i think you could do ads on facebook i don't know um so yeah also we've been reviewed on the there's a podcast called castology and um they're an Australian-based podcast and uh, definitely uh, didn't do a user submission. I submitted our podcast for them to talk about it. So it's kind of a false victory. Uh, haven't heard the review yet, but have a listen if see what they say about us. Uh, they've done the kind of introdu- introduction. And so the concept is it's three, three friends um, uh, based in Australia and they recommend a podcast to each other one week, and then the week after they talk about it. So I've heard the one where he recommends it, and he started off the recommendation with, I don't think you're both going to love this. So that's a good start. Uh, yeah, as I said, get in touch with us, especially if you want to talk about something. If there's something you feel needs to be talked about, and we haven't covered it yet, or we've already talked about it, and you're like, how come they didn't even mention this? Uh, would love to talk to you. And we can do Skype and stuff too. Or if you have any suggestions of people, just be like, hey, you should try and talk to this person. Uh, I mean, I've just spoken to Tony Gray-Thompson. So, you know, you can think as big as you like. I'll give it a try. Can't make any promises. We were once denied by Daryl Hannah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Bye then. Bye.